Okay, so we'll be reading Ephesians 6, 5 to 9. So if you want to follow along in your Bibles or on the screen, that'd be great. Slaves, obey your earthly masters with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you would obey Christ. Obey them not only to win their favour when their eye is on you, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart. Serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one for whatever good they do, whether they are slave or free. And masters, treat your slaves in the same way. Do not threaten them, since you know that he who is both their master and yours is in heaven, and there is no favoritism with him. It was a news poll survey done where people were asked this question. Do you spend too much time working and too little time with family and friends? Do you spend too much time working and too little time with family and friends? 80% said yes. Too much time working, too little with family and friends. And yet there was a follow-up question where 9 out of 10 people said they thought that family was more important than work. Isn't that interesting? Uh, Try to just connect it together. And I suspect that most of us struggle with that whole work-life balance issue and getting it right. You know, we all know that experience or that experience of working long hours, coming home to people you love and finding yourself unable to engage or being grumpy or just not treating the people we love with the right respect and honour. And another survey had indicated that of uh, the men who work full-time in Australia, uh, 45% uh, work more than 45 hours a week. And here's an interesting statistic when it comes to women. Between 1978 and 2012, uh, the number of women working more than 45 hours a week doubled over that period of time. Just the way in which those uh, stats are rising. In Australia, 30% of workers don't use up their full entitlement to leave each year. Uh, Leave that to one side or get paid out for it. In Japan, there's a word, word, I'm not sure I'll pronounce this right, called koroshi, or koroshi. And apparently it means death by overwork. Death by overwork. They actually have a name for it. But, you know, in Australia, it's really clear that there's a direct correlation between overwork and obesity alcoholism or addiction to other drugs, as well as uh, cardiovascular disease, uh, overwork and health. The link between overwork and mental well-being and anxiety is strong. I just want to say, I think it's really hard to actually get work in right perspective and to maintain that sort of right perspective. Uh, We tend to look at it Uh, to achieve satisfaction and value uh, in a way that ultimately only God can meet. We looked at some of those things last week. Today what I'm going to do is keep exploring what the Bible says about how to keep work in right perspective. See, what is that biblical perspective on work? Well, I want to talk about what the Bible says about our vocation or our calling, just to add a few thoughts to what Forky uh, was telling us just before. In the, uh, in the dictionary, this is the definition they've got for vocation. 
a strong feeling of suitability for a particular career or occupation. Or if you look at the dictionary and look at calling, a strong urging towards a particular way of life or career. And in modern Australia, working out what work or career you'll enjoy is seen as a critical element to having a, a happy life. In fact, we employ people whose job it is to tell us what job we should do. You know, that's just the way in which our culture now operates. Uh, high school students going through um, uh, high school, they do psychometric testing to work out what are they skilled and gifted in so they can help them funnel down to the sort of job choices they should have post high school. And I think that's just smart. I think it just matches what the Bible actually says, really. Now you go to a place like Ecclesiastes chapter 2, and it says this, a person can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in their toil. Yeah, that's a healthy thing if you can get it. But how does the Bible address this element, uh, this issue of calling? Uh, Christians assume that it's um, sensible to work out what sort of job we should do based on our gifts, but, but we also have an additional question that we're trying to ask. It's the question, what job or vocation does God want me to do? Now, can I say that's not a bad question? It's just not the question that the Bible asks. It's not the focus of what the Scriptures say. And you can see this when you turn to the New Testament in particular and look at what, the, what it says about this idea of calling. Fifty times, or over 50 times, the word calling is used in the New Testament. Here's a bit of a spread about the way in which it's used. Um, when we turn to the New Testament, we're introduced to a God who is a calling God. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 24. The one who calls you is faithful and will do it. God calls people into a relationship with himself. Christians are described as called ones. If you uh, go to Romans 8, verse 28, it talks about believers being called according to God's purpose. Right? Christian, you could call yourself a Christian, but you can actually call yourself a called one. You know, that would be perfectly legitimate to do that. Uh, we're called by God through the gospel. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 14. He called you through our gospel. Uh, and what have we been called to, though? Because that's really something of the cutting edge or the, uh, uh, the bottom line of what we're talking about today. Well, if we went to a place like 1 Peter 2, verse 24, it says there we're called from darkness to light. Or in 1 Thessalonians 4, verse 7, we're called to live a holy life. See, if you're a Christian, what's your, your calling or your vocation in life? The Bible doesn't talk about that being to be a, you know, a particular career or job, you know, a garbage collector or an accountant or a street sweeper or a nurse or a pastor or a doctor. That's not the way the Bible tends to use that language. See, our vocation is actually to honour God in all of life and to honour the one who called us in a relationship with himself. What I want to do is try and illustrate that with a few diagrams just up on the screen, just to crystallise this sort of idea, because I think it's so foundational to actually understanding how we function in life. So the first diagram just picks up on 
what the world generally thinks at this point, that is vocation or calling equals job. And so the, the key question becomes, what job am I suited to? Right? That's uh, perfectly reasonable. If we flick to this second question, this is what I've called the, the pseudo-Christian view. That is, it's a popular Christian view. I just don't think it's a particularly biblical one. And in some ways, the core question or the core definition is the same as the world's. Often Christians think about their vocation or their calling as equating to their job. And then the key question they ask, because they're Christian, is, well, what job, job does God want me to do? As I say, that's a perfectly reasonable sort of question. But if we flick to this third uh, shot, you'll see here really what I think is the biblical view of calling. Right? See how different it is? That is, vocational calling is being a Christian. It's being called by God. And therefore, it controls all of life, not just your job. That is, it, for me, you know, it means I'm a, uh, a husband, uh, a child of parents, a neighbour, I'm a, a, a parent to my kids, a grandparent, uh, a member of a church, and I happen to work in that church. You know, like it, it involves all those things and more, depending on who you are and all your relationships. Our calling is to be working out under God how we function in each of those areas. And so the key question then becomes, how do I faithfully serve God in all of life? How do I do that as part of my calling? Now, can I say, I find this enormously helpful uh, personally because rather than having all these separate balls I'm trying to juggle, you know, (laughs) and dropping most of them most of the time, and uh, having this great emphasis on making sure that you know, work is, is such a priority in life, what God says is, no, 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 I want you to fix your eyes on me and given you're a creature with time I've given you, work out what it means to serve me in all these sorts of areas and do that consistently, what, what it means to be a believer. You see, people often talk about the work-life balance But the Bible talks about the God-life balance and that's a very different way of thinking about it. But because um, we're doing a series on work, what I want to turn our attention to is how my calling affects my work. Okay, So we are just going to follow this strand down and just dig into that area because that obviously it's a big part of life, but I just want you to understand it's a little part of life although it might take up a fair bit of your time, right? But that's, that's the way I want us to wrestle with it. How does my calling impact my work? And what I want to particularly do is look at that passage we heard read from Ephesians 6, uh, verses 5 to 9. Uh, remember, book of Ephesians, chapters 1, 2, and 3, it talks about all the blessings we have in Christ, uh, essentially that call to be a Christian. And then in chapters 4, 5, and 6, it says, given your called... Yeah, you're in the family of God. These are the implications in all sorts of areas for life. So it's one of those sort of letters. So you get to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the pivot point, and Paul the Apostle says, As a prisoner for the Lord, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Okay, Worthy of your calling. Right? Live that sort of life. Then when we get to Ephesians 6, Paul turns his attention to slaves and says, slaves or or bond servants, this is how you ought to live as Christian 
slaves or bond servants and starts to focus down on that issue. Now, a couple of thoughts, introductory thoughts here. When we hear slavery, uh, we tend to think of um, the African slave trade where they were exported in boats, half of them died, uh, brutally treated, the law of the law. You know, we have those sort of images in our mind. In the first century Roman and Greco world, slaves were really quite different. Uh, uh, they, they could be house help or they could be uh, you know, uh, workers on a farm, but often they were doctors, uh, civil servants, bankers. Uh, they could earn an income. In fact, they could be a slave and quite wealthy. Uh, it was just a sort of a cultural piece in this world. And people sometimes fell on hard times and they would put themselves into servitude with someone so that they could actually have a fairly good life and be treated fairly well. So that's, that's the first of it. Second thing is, uh, you might say, why have I chosen a passage on slavery to talk about workers in our world, and am I trying to draw a parallel, you know? And uh, is that what it's like? No, part of it is, there's hardly anything in the New Testament on workers, to be quite honest. Um, very little in there, which gives you an in- indication of how important God sees it, actually. That is, it's not a real focus of attention. But I think there are a lot of transferable principles from this passage that help us think through the nature of work. So let me talk about a few of those now and try to, try to pull some of those threads together. What you discover in this passage is that if you're a Christian, you have a new boss. And this is absolutely critical. That is, whether you're an employee, an employer, unemployed, stay-at-home parent, retiree, God is your boss. He is the one you serve in all of life, no matter where you find yourself. So in Ephesians 6 verse 5, it says uh, to slaves, obey your earthly masters or bosses with respect and fear and with sincerity of heart, just as you'd obey Christ. Then in verse 7, it goes on and says, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not people. You see, God is your first boss at work. Uh, we need to have that framework in mind. And then we have a new goal at work. That is, it's less about what you produce, that is, what you do, and it's more about displaying the character of God in that context. Often I've heard people uh, saying that, that others around me, unbelievers, I'll say I'm a Christian by the excellence of the work I do. Right? The excellence of the work I do. But notice here in Ephesians 6, it's more concerned about character than actually the quality of your work. Uh, Respect or obey your earthly master, verse 5. Do it with sincerity of heart. Uh, Be faithful. Not only, verse 6, to win the favour of your masters when their eye is on you. That is, when your boss is out of the office, it shouldn't actually affect your output. You know, that faithfulness when you're there. Um, Integrity is a big issue. You go back to Ephesians 4, verse 28, and it says the thief should no longer steal. Some things we shouldn't be doing, you know. Or you go to a place like Galatians 6, verse 10. It says do good to all people. And those are the attitudes you have in the work context. Our attitudes are shaped by the gospel at work. We're kind and generous to co-workers. We look out for the newbies in the office, even if they can't do anything for us. You know, we've got honesty and humility. When you make a mistake, you can own up to it. So you don't need to be protecting your back 
all the time. It's about displaying the character of God to a watching world. It's interesting, back in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, it says God's intention is that, listen to this, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. People seeing something of who God is as they observe God's people and I take it as they observe Christians in that process. I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way, but it's like you're a little mini display uh, of who God is at work or anywhere, actually, you happen to be. I don't know if you've ever been uh, wine tasting. Uh, occasionally, Sue and I will go to a cellar door. And if you go into a cellar door, they give you these little plastic thimbles, you know, with just a few drops of wine in them. And the idea is you get to taste or sample their product. In the hope, you'll buy much bigger bottles that actually cost you money. It's that sort of idea. Now, can I say, we're, we're like little thimbles of the real thing. You know, we're like the sort of little displays or teasers for what God is like in our work context. So, what does that mean about um, how good we'll be at our job? Should we aim to be excellent at our work. Now, I reckon most bosses would like you to be that because uh, it's good for them and their bottom lines. But notice the instruction here in Ephesians 6 is to serve, verse 7, wholeheartedly. Wholeheartedly. The idea is faithfulness, not excellent. So will you be the best at your job because you're a Christian? Well, maybe, and maybe not. Uh, I think I said last week I worked for a couple of years as a lawyer. Sometimes people therefore say, can you recommend me a good Christian lawyer? And I'll say to them, do you want a good lawyer or a Christian lawyer, right? Which one do you want? You know, I'm not saying you can't have a good Christian lawyer, but what are you really after? Someone who's Christian or someone who's good at their job. You've got a brain surgeon who's going to operate in your brain. Do you want a Good brain surgeon or a Christian brain surgeon? You know, like, uh, do, do, do you understand what I'm saying here? That's a tricky sort of thing. Uh, I'm not thinking Christians can't be good at their jobs. Uh, they can. Like, I'm, we're in a network of 11 churches. And let me say, there are some absolute world beaters scattered around the network in different jobs. Uh, we have a large number of people who are professors, uh, judges, the wealthy, PhDs. Uh, people who have really significant business owners. Um, you know, there are some real high achievers in our network. But, yeah, most of us are just plotters, as far as I can tell, you know. Uh, most of us just sort of keep pressing on. It, it depends a lot on your gifts, doesn't it? See, when I was I the best lawyer in Adelaide uh, before I retired after three years at the age of 24... Right? <laughs> no, I wasn't. No. Uh, was I the best for my age in Adelaide when I retired at age 24? No. Nowhere near it. There were lots of other guys my, and women my age who, who were much more intelligent and much more clever at their work and it actually just poured more of themselves into it. Right? You know, so if people were asking me for a good lawyer and they asked if I'd do it, I'd probably refer them to one of my friends. You know? like, you know, th- it's not such a big deal 
Jesus calls us to faithfulness in all of life, whether it be your work, but not just in that area, in all sorts of areas. That is the call. So how should we think about our careers and climbing the ladder? How aspirational should we be when it comes to that sort of stuff? I remember there was a, uh, a leader in the city church and uh, he was quite a very good engineer right? and uh, quite in a big company. And I was, after church, I was catching up with a few different people and someone came up to me and they said, did you hear, I'll call him Dennis, right? Because that's actually his name, makes it easier, right? So had you heard about Dennis, you know? And I said, maybe, maybe not, I don't know. And they said, he got this really big promotion at work and, uh, uh, and I hadn't heard. Dennis was pretty close and on my leadership team, you know? I thought, well, why you didn't tell me, you know? So... I made a time to catch up with Dennis. We had coffee, you know, and I said, you know, how's, how's the family going? You know, asked all these general, how's work going? You know, fishing. He said, good, you know, and just moved on. <laughs> I thought, he's just got this massive promotion. I said, oh, tell me more about work, you know. He told me a bit more about work, but not that he got a promotion. You know? And I said, look, the other day someone said to me, you got this sort of huge mega promotion and now you're running the world for your company sort of thing. And uh, I just wanted to tell you. He said, oh, yeah, that's true. You know? And uh, I said, why didn't you tell me? And he said, he said, oh, brother, if it had been important, I would have told you. See, do you understand his... Wasn't that a lovely perspective to have? Uh, then about 12 months later, this same guy had run up to me after church, ran up to me again. Did you hear about Dennis? You know? <laughs> I said, maybe, you know, <laughs> maybe not. I said, you know that big, humongous, you know, rule of the universe type job he had, right? He lost it. He's been demoted back to his old job. I don't know what went wrong, you know, but it's not good, you know. And uh, Dennis hadn't told me. <laughs> so I made it. Time to catch up with him for coffee, you know, and we sat down, we talked, how's family going? Good, you know, and it went through all the different, how's work going? Good. That's <laughs> it, you know. And then I said, I said, mate, something came after me and I said, you know, that, that job you had, apparently you'd lost it and you're back in your old job. You know, what happened? And he said, oh, brother, he said, I was finding the demands of this new job, the hours were just so great and... Uh, the implications and the stress attached to that, and my ability to be involved in caring for my family, and involved in church, and maintaining relationships with a whole lot of people were suffering. So I went back to my boss, and I said, I want my old job back. Uh, I don't want to stay in this job because of its consequences. And then he said to me, and brother, if it had been important, I would have told you. you know? <laughs> Which I thought was just lovely. But... Do you understand that it's a very godly framework for his thinking and for a Christian to think about when it comes to work? Friends, the main goal at work is not to climb the ladder. It is to be faithful and to honour God as you do it. You may do your job exceptionally well. Great. But at the end of the day, that's... You, know, you, you want to work hard at your job according to your gifts to one of the Lord. Huh? What about if you're unhappy in your work? Should you change jobs? 
I think we said last week, it's a, it's a really good thing to enjoy your work. And uh, in our particular culture, often there's a fair bit of freedom around changing jobs, and people do it all the time. But my observation would be that often people can change jobs for the wrong reasons. Um, hoping work will provide a contentment and a joy that at the end of the day only God can provide. When you turn to a place like 1 Corinthians chapter 7, it's an interesting chapter with a lot in it, but at one point Paul speaks again to slaves about whether they should seek to be free of their masters if they can earn their freedom. Listen to what it says. Were you a slave when you were called to be a Christian? Don't let it trouble you, although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord, he's the Lord's free person. Similarly, the one who is free when called is Christ's slave. The, the controlling idea of serving the Lord, no matter what your situation in life is, that's a wonderful, solid framework for thinking about work and all of life. And let me say that, that's the case no matter what your situation is, whether you're in a job with a boss from hell or whether you're retired you know, and you're reinventing yourself and you're feeling a bit overused by your family or whether you're a stay-at-home parent. There are challenges with that. I remember uh, when we had little kids and Sue had spent the day with three preschoolers running around, the endless task of tidying, organising, you know, that sort of thing. And... Uh, and at the end of the day, she called these kids together and she said, frustrated, you know, uh, I am not your slave, right? <laughs> Just explaining to the children. And one of our kids, the more philosophical end of life, got this sort of pensive look on his face and he said, he said, you know, mothers are a bit like slaves, you know. <laughs> uh, as a true story, friends are... Our fulfilment is in Christ and our contentment is not on what we do but our calling as children of God. So we're looking at new boss, the new attitudes at work but also we keep our eyes on the ultimate reward, a different reward. Because workers, you know, often you know it, this is the way it works. You go through... Um, a year's work, you get assessed at the end of that year and uh, often your promotions and your income can be based on that assessment. But as I said, for a Christian, the focus is not on climbing the ladder or achieving a better in income or getting more accolades in the workplace. Ephesians 6 verses 8 and 9. Friends, you know that the Lord, the big boss, he'll reward each one for whatever good they do. Friends, we, we work not just for the approval of our bosses or for more money or recognition, uh, but friends, we, we live for the approval of our Heavenly Father and especially on that last day for the accolades that heal the war to us. And on the last day, these are the sort of assessment words we want to hear, aren't they? Well done, good and faithful servant. Well done, 
good and faithful servant. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you're a God who um, has wonderfully made us. Uh, You've made us uh, with gifts and abilities and talents. But the reality is our core vocation in life is to be in relationship with you. Father, we pray you'll help us to have that, that central calling operational in our thinking, our hearts and our attitudes. And Father, we pray you help us as we inevitably juggle lots of things in life to actually have your perspective on those things, uh, to see ourselves as serving you in all of life. And Father, we pray that you'll help us to be doing that uh, also in this area for those of us who are employed or will be in paid jobs, how we approach that sort of work. Give us the right sort of attitudes towards those we work with, uh, people we work for, the people that might work under us, uh, that will be faithful with integrity, loving and kind and generous. Uh, Father, we pray that you keep shaping us more and more so we're a people who bear witness to your grace to us in our lives and therefore demonstrate that in the way in which we treat others. Uh, Father, we pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen.